welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is another episode in our podcast. This is CX uh, in our series talking about customer experience, data, and analytics. Uh, today, we've got Jamie Fishman joining us from our uh, advanced analytics practice. Thanks for joining us, Jamie. Sure. Thanks for having me, Mike. Great to be here. Absolutely. And we are excited to get into a conversation today, really talking about uh, leveraging descriptive analytics and data to better understand your customers. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, learning more about and, and trying to understand who your customers are and, 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 the, and what the data can tell you about them. So uh, with that said, Paul, let's jump right into it. What are some of the big kind of key questions that you know, CX professionals and CX leaders are asking um, that they're trying to use some of the data about their customers to answer? Yeah, so it all starts out with co companies are trying to understand, first and foremost, how do customers feel about my company? What's their perception? Um, and, and then what are they going to do about it? Um, companies often don't have the ability to separate, you know, who's, who actually likes me versus who, who doesn't like me. Um, and then, you know, immediately it gets underneath that of, okay, they said one thing, but how does that affect their behavior? So what's the behavior? You know, uh, increasingly customer surveys are, you know, people got survey fatigue and so forth. So you're not, you know, it's, it's what's the behavior that indicates um, that someone is either healthy or not healthy with the company, that they like us, that they may uh, 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 leave us fairly soon, that they're not going to do as much business with us and really getting under the, the drivers of that. So any customer experience leader has to be thinking about, okay, if my customers don't like me in, in, in large part, what's going on? What's driving dissatisfaction? What's driving detractors? What's driving promoters? Where No company does things horribly all the time. Where are we doing things well that maybe not be, you know, may not be consistent across? Um, what kinds of behaviors, you know, or interactions they have. So, um, you know, in every company, and every company, so drivers are important. Every customer experience uh, leader is, is also trying to understand what's the, who are my good customers, who are my bad customers, you know, what's the profitability of what's, how do I segment my customers? Um, and then finally, what's the ROI of customer experience? When I, when I serve customers well and they, they love us, in theory, they're worth more. They talk more about us. Um, they, they, they're advocates for the brand. They're more open to cross-selling and upselling. They're, they're more loyalty that they don't churn. So their lifetime value, all of, you know, versus, you know, a detractor. So how do I put all of those things together? You know, detractors not going to buy as much. They're going to, they're going to churn earlier. What is all of that? And how do I calculate it? And how do I show that? And how do I demonstrate to the rest of the company who thinks customer experience is kind of a soft and fuzzy and, and, um, touchy feely type of thing that no, there's real numbers, there's data behind it. And um, being great at customer experience really impacts our bottom line and our financials. It makes sense up here logically. Gosh, if a, if a customer doesn't like us, why would they want to buy more from us? Mm -hmm. Having data um, and that underpinning, you know, makes it really come alive and being able to quantify that. Yeah. It's hard to do that. Yeah. So one of the things you'd mentioned is more this on the segmentation side. So understanding who our customers are and, and some of the behaviors they elicit and, and, and whatnot. Um, so just for those who aren't aware of when we talk about customer segmentation, what is it and what does it really help us do? 
Yeah, so customer segmentation comes in many, many forms. I mean, I think most companies at a very basic level do straight up demographics or firmographics. You know, how old are you? How young are you? Um, if you're a B2B company, you're a big, a large enterprise, you're a small enterprise, you're or a medium enterprise, those types of things. I think we, when we think about it within the customer experience realm, we're really looking a little bit more behaviors and motivations, I, I say customer MBA motivations, behaviors, attitudes. Why does someone do business with us and what do they need from us? So looking into those behaviors, understanding, you know, it's really in some ways marrying small data with big data. What I'm not going to get necessarily motivations and attitudes out of, um, you know, big data. So some of the, some of the research that we've talked about in the past of understanding why people do business with us comes out of, you know, ethnographic research and other types of things. But when we segment them, we really want to know a combination of who are they and why do they do business with me? And then behaviorally, what do they need? Some customers want to, you know, have a high touch and, you know, uh, want to talk to people. Other, other people want to be left alone and, you know, do all self-service. Um, some, you know, customers may want a, a, a you know, all-in-one solution. Others may really want do-it-yourself, ad hoc, uh, a la carte types of things. You know, who are those customers and what do they need? And that segmentation can sometimes help um, say, look, we really want to serve, you know, two or three segments very, very well. And these other segments, we probably don't want to market to and may not want them as customers or, or at least set up the expectations. Hey, if you do business with us, here's what you get very, very clearly. So if you choose to do it, we're not going to give you the a la carte solution. We're an all-in-one provider type of thing. Okay. So Jamie, I know you've had some experience. Uh, how do we start to use data to define those segments um, of customers? So, you know, I, what what type of tools do you use um, as part of the analytics team to uh, here at West Monroe? You know, we, we, we combine our CX and AA teams together to kind of bring forward some of this capability. So what is it that you do with data to help us start to understand those segments? Yeah, so it's a great question. I think it starts first with um, a real strong business understanding of um, what what behaviors are we really trying to capture with these segments? Um, what what types of customer behaviors are affecting ROI or investment or might be affecting marketing decisions? We actually go back and work with the business to say, which of these behaviors would you want us to capture most specifically in the data and then ultimately use those um, for segmentation? So whether it's... Um, you know, how often someone might call a call center, or it could be how often someone's visiting a gym or something like that. Anything that might affect um, marketing or the business, that's what we want to capture with the behavior side. So what we ultimately do is we work with the business um, to try and capture both the behavioral side, but then a customer attribute side. And we put that all into one data set where we have a lot of variables set up with uh, the different behaviors a customer might show in interacting with the business. But then also there's other really interesting descriptive variables. Like what else do we know about that customer? Um, what are their demographics? What are their payment preferences? What are their channel communication preferences? And what we do is we actually create um, a, customer, a customer granularity data set. Um, and we run that through a K-means clustering analysis. I usually use R, the R open source statistical package. Um, there's a bunch of different ways you could do this, but that's what we've done most in the past. And what we do is we actually segment out all those customers into different groups uh, based on those behaviors. So what we're really saying is um, based on these behaviors, which of these customers um, are most similar and which ones are most dissimilar. 
And from there, we can go about saying, what do we know about the people who express this behavior or this belief? Um, and it really starts to show a powerful pattern of, um, you know, the customers, as Paul is saying, that are, are giving us the most value or getting the most return on versus the ones we want to show more marketing return, um, show more attention to, to maybe change some of their behaviors. So it's a really good way to lay the groundwork um, with this data analysis, with the data set, with R, start to get some results and share them back to the business about these are the these are the customers these are their behaviors here's what we know about them and then you can kind of take the discussion anyway from there about uh how to how to go from there and how to intervene and that becomes very very interesting just at the top line you know if i wanted to take promoters versus detractors versus those who are kind of neutral to my company is what what's going on with them you know if you want to do a simple driver analysis that would be the start if you could pull pull your pull your net promoter data in or your forester customer experience index data in what's going on with customers that either makes them a promoter or a detractor I, uh, that's that's i would think how you you do that jamie yeah so jamie as you're working to build these these customer data sets what are some of the challenges that you know working with with our clients um where we've had to either overcome or we've had to deal with from a customer data perspective. What, what challenges do organizations see out there when trying to collect this data to be able to do this type of analysis? Yeah, so it's a combination of different things. I think um, the first one would be just availability of data because there's always a lot of really interesting questions that we could ask about the customers. Um, and we might say like, if you have this kind of data set, we would be able to model this. And that doesn't always exist or it doesn't always exist in, in the type of data format we would need to do the analysis. So that's one thing is just ensuring that the, the business has the right um, types of data sets to answer the, the questions that we'd be looking for. Um, beyond that, I think data quality um, and recency of data being updated are also very key. Um, so for example, um, we've had instances where we, we have a data set that we think there's a lot of really rich, useful information about some kind of customer behavior um, but we know that only, I don't know, only 40% of it is populated, the rest of it is blank. Or we can't be really sure on the accuracy of the data, we know it hasn't been updated in over a year or so. And then we start to have discussions with um, some of the data owners on the business side to say, at what point do we feel comfortable entering this into the model um, to get more insight from that data? But we also don't want to include it if it gets to a point where it might possibly cloud the results and not give us what we need. Um, so it's kind of a back and forth with the business to further understand, um, so what's available, what's good quality, and then I think the last thing is really just identifying the right scope, um, the right scope of data to put into these models. I've been in situations where um, in, in an ideal world we would run the model with 15 million customers, and while that's, that would be very helpful for us, uh, it wasn't really feasible from a data processing side. So we really had to work with the business and think about um, things like stratified random sampling and talk about how can we cut down this data set to the right scope so that what we're putting in um, has the best chance of giving us the best results um, on the output side too. Jamie, do you do you have tools to help companies? You know, when the data is you know data accessibility and the cleanliness or or or. Uh, 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 recency of the data, you know, do you have tools or things that you, you do to help c companies get a better data set, you know, to do analysis around uh, quickly? 
Yeah, so sometimes we can work with the business um, and, and talk about things like um, data imputation and maybe maybe help um, some of those blank spots in the data set think about ways we could fill them in um, either like with like a mean value or maybe like an understood value or um, maybe for our purposes think about if some of those extra variables really aren't necessary for the modeling in the first place um, or maybe maybe in other instances there are variables from different data sets that might be a really good proxy for what we're looking for so maybe we're trying to model one type of behavior um, and, and the business doesn't have that exact value, but they have something that's maybe 90% um, similar based on the process of what would happen um, if the, you know, if the customer did A and then did B. If we have B and B is, you know, 90% representative, um, we can feel pretty certain that, that that might be a good indicator of that behavior, even if that's not fully built out with the existing client data. Great. So I feel like um, now that we, we have kind of data-driven segmentation of, of, our, of customers, how do we then translate that into personas and learning more about our customers? I know, Paul, you and Jamie were on a project with a, kind of a health activity-based organization where you, you did this, where you started with kind of the data uh, segment data-driven segments and then ultimately move uh, tip those into personas can you walk us through how, how organizations can do that yeah absolutely you know we want what we what we thought going into this exercise was hey we've got a bunch of data why don't we look at the data before we go out and do our our, our customer research and that you know the um, as Jamie said we, we, we took a lot we looked at what data they had in terms of behavioral based data there was location there were demographics Graphics. There was any number of types of things, and it gave us some some sort of broad, broad, you know, behavioral types of attributes that uh, um, created our initial clusters. Um, what that data did was tell us the what, what people were doing, but it didn't tell us the why. Um, and so we really pivoted from that that sort of bigger data clustering exercises to a to an ethnographic um, uh, uh, type of exercise where we went out and. Um, this this was really geared towards seniors and their use of gyms. Um, we were we were hanging out in gym gymnasiums, taking classes with seniors, uh, senior class uh, cl classes, talking to instructors, talking to um, uh, uh, gym owners. Really, the e ecosystem that was around seniors exercising to try to understand what you know where were what was causing the behavior. Uh, um, uh, you know, what were the whys, what were the motivations and the attitudes, and then we followed up with um, you know we got some hypotheses out of uh, out of that in terms of the whys and then followed up with a big survey uh, of about 20,000 customers to really try to understand you know where, where we were hearing some things what were what were people you know how prevalent were some of those attitudes and so forth when we asked people so we're really you know it's it's any any sort of exercise like that was about triangulating and using different kinds of research and, and, and data methods to understand what was driving customers' behavior. And then understanding that, you know, what kinds of interventions could we do to, um, you know, help improve the experience, to build engagement, um, you know, and then it starts all over, right? We, we, went, we, we, did, we used that to create some personas, used the personas then to uh, uh, really uh, uh, do some innovation sprints and, and, and prototype uh, you know, create some pilots where we could go test some of those ideas with a particular persona or 
or, or segment of customers. And it and then the process starts all over, right? You want to want to watch the watch that behavior, understand where something's working or not working, and 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 uh, you know uh, iterate the the whole process again. Yeah, and I was actually going to follow up with you, Jamie, on, on that point. Um, it sounds like, you know, when, you, when you're building a model, like the segmentation, some of the behavioral analysis, it's something that you can rerun over time as you make changes to your experience. So that way you can see if you're moving the needle or not. Is that correct? Yeah, you can always add uh, more variables to the model. Um, you can change, you can see if uh, maybe down the road, maybe a certain customer will have been placed in a different cluster. Um, to see, you know, we started, you know, a year ago in this area, and then based on these interventions, now we would classify them as this type of person based on their behavior. So, I mean, that would be a, a way to do it through clustering, but there's a lot of other methods to track, um, maybe even just through descriptive statistics, just to, ch to check like um, before and after this time post, um, based on this intervention, we've seen this type of growth and this behavior from this cluster that we focused on kind of almost like an A-B testing in some way there too. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to leave it there for today. Uh, really appreciate you joining us today, Jamie. Uh, some great information about how we can start uh, using uh, data that we have about our customers to learn more about them, segment them, um, ultimately understand kind of what they're doing with our organization, um, and then how we can then pivot that to the, well, why do they do it? It at least gives us the, the framework to start then asking those questions of the customers themselves. Um, Paul, any last thoughts? No, I think uh, there is so much data about what people are doing. You know, we've entered this world where, you know, it used to be people would, you know, companies would sell products and leave it and, you know, you never knew quite what they did with your services. So we've got so much data to use now. Um, and, and there's, the, you know, as a customer experience professional, it's super exciting because there's so much need more tools to understand what customers are doing. We didn't even get into voice, you know, voice or um, text analytics and unstructured data relative to this, right? Um, but you're, you can, you know, web tracking on, on, on websites. So it's exciting working with Jamie and, and our advanced analytics team to start making some sense of that data, not just using surveys. Surveys are a great tool, you know, but it's one of many kinds of tools and, and marrying, you know, going back and forth between and kind of that bigger data, the smaller data, experimenting and watching, um, you know, it's just an exciting world to, to really get your hands around customers. So appreciate you being with us, Jamie, and all the work you do for us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. What a pleasure. All right, excellent. Well, thank you for uh, joining us uh, on the conversation, and uh, we will be back with uh, more episodes around data, customer experience, and analytics. Um, data-driven CX, as we are uh, liking to call it these days. So uh, thank you, and uh, we'll be back soon. Take care.